0: What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Elevate Experience,
1: the podcast about overcoming struggles and adversity and how that relates to addiction, recovery, and health. I am your host and the CEO of Elevate Addiction Services, Angie Manson.
0: And I'm Dallas Terrell, co-host and life intervention counselor at Elevate. Thank you so much for joining us, and let's jump right in.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Caitlin on our show. She is a detox technician, which means she works uh, right with the clients as they enter the program and gets them through the hardest part of the program before they enter the rest of the residential program. And so she gets to see a lot of uh, the good, the bad and the ugly all wrapped up in a really short time period. And uh, she's one of... um, I can't say she was one of my favorite staff members. They're all my favorite staff members. (laughs) But she's an awesome staff member who is amazing uh, at showing all the core values that we have as a company. And uh, the clients love her, we love her. And so welcome to the show, Caitlin. Thank you. Thank you, thanks for coming on. Yeah, of course. I'm clapping. That was a clap. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Welcome to the show, Caitlin. We're super excited to get into why you're here. I yeah. think that's pretty exciting. You know, yeah. I think Angie gave a good uh, explanation of what you do. That's kind of the end of the story is like, oh, yeah, Caitlin works in detox and she's the shit, blah, blah, blah. But we'll get into what led up before that, because I think that's exciting. and I think that's important. And yeah, I mean, I guess where would you like to start if we if you had to start somewhere <laughs> telling the story of your life? Where where do we start? What does that look like for you?
2: I mean, so I guess... The real Just do it on you. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> just do it right on <laughs> you, dude. Just some random spot in your life yeah. and go. <laughs> I mean, I guess where everything really started for me was when I started to get sick. When I was about seven years old, that was a whole process in itself. Um, yeah. Just getting diagnosed. They told me I had so many different things, and it was confusing as a seven-year-old to watch my body just completely changing and feeling different not Mm -hmm. knowing what was going on and and you have memories of this even though you're seven
1: years old you yeah clear for you
2: yeah um i I was in gymnastics at the time and it was something i loved i was really really into it i wanted to take it really far and i went to go do a warm-up front handspring and my wrist wouldn't bend Oh wow! And I went to my coach, and I was like, "Something's something's wrong." And he was like, "Oh, you know, whatever. You want me to call the Wambulance? Oh, like, he well, said maybe, that, baby, dude. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Boy,
1: I felt he felt like a jerk later. Yeah, you sure
2: did. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What a like 7 7-year-old like gymnastic coach thing to say.
2: I know, for <laughs> real. <laughs> really, really. It's like really no was.
0: medical experience it's like just nothing, you know. Yeah, it's, it's just
1: like near good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rub some dirt on it, get back on there. Yeah, Rub some yeah. chalk on it. Okay. Just push a little harder. <laughs> yeah. So what it well and for our listeners, tell us about what that is and what that was that that diagnosis.
2: Um so initially I was diagnosed once they Kind of really figured out more of what it was it was linear scleroderma which is an autoimmune disease that causes your body to produce too much collagen um and so i was given a lot of medications for that i was put on methotrexate infusion therapy um, of prednisone a lot like thousands of milligrams wow. of prednisone oh. at a time <clears throat> um did light therapy all of that and then come to find out when and linear scleroderma is not fatal. It's one that they say is just on the surface area. usually gotcha. only affects one area. But when I was diagnosed, they told me I had the worst case they've ever seen. They had never seen it affect the entire body like that into the severity that it did. Um, and when I was like 21, 22, I went to a doctor at UCLA who's an actual scleroderma specialist. Gotcha. There's only 12 in the country because it's so rare.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And he was like, no, you have systemic sclerosis which is the fatal version of that one um it's it is the most fatal rheumatic disease out there wow um, so it'll cause kidney failure lung failure it's it's not good i right. mean typically people and it's not found in kids often either really? it's typically wow. found in adults so but i mean at
1: 21 you were an adult at that time they just yeah. usually it just didn't usually start that young as it started with you?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and usually, even with scleroderma, it's typically any form of it is found in adults. It's pretty rare that it's found in kids and kids so young. Um, so, that could be why it was so hard to diagnose. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. I just had no data on yeah, kids they just, having. Yeah. It was wow. just
2: so, so odd for them. Um, yeah. He then he told me, he's like, no, you have systemic sclerosis. So, they just continuously run tests to make sure. My organs are doing okay, and that they're yeah. not failing. Some people live, you know, a fine life with it, mm-hmm. and you know, a long life with it. Um, other people, they say it's typically from when you get diagnosed, you have about ten years. Um,
0: but oh, wow. I've
2: had it for almost twenty now, and right. Been okay and severely abused drugs along with it, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: You're golden, mean, you yeah. got another 80 years. You're good. Yeah. I'm
2: done coasting.
1: Yeah. Nothing's going to take me down.
0: I love Definitely. that. Dude.
3: I love that.
1: So just to back up then, so having been diagnosed so young, having been put on all kinds of medications, at what point did you turn to drugs or alcohol? Was it just very easy since you're already on a bunch of stuff? Or was it like the normal transition that a lot of us have where you're just exposed and it looks fun and you do it?
2: Um, honestly, it was hanging out with my brother and his older friends. I was about 12. He's five years older. Yep. So they were much older, kind of getting into it right around, you know, kind of the normal age. Um, and it, it's it just like I took a nosedive with it so fast um, but I found it was a way to kind of help myself cope with it I all of a sudden didn't care yeah I felt like I had some control over my life after losing all of it from a very young age um, and,
1: and did you just start what did you start off using was it just drinking was it weed what Where did you go how did you progress through that
2: it started off as drinking and then smoking pot and then um, I started taking hallucinogens and then it just like, I immediately just started with everything. Yeah. Yeah. The floodgates opened. It wasn't like, Oh, it started off innocently. Like there was nothing innocent about it. Like, I became obsessed right away. I had a whiteboard that I would write all the dates that I had been using drugs. And oh, wow. my brother walked in my room. He was like, this is not good.
0: Like, Dude, you're going to get in trouble.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, this is not how you it. use drugs. Yeah, you do not <laughs> yeah. document it yeah, to get don't caught. You document in your room.
0: Dude, mom comes in your room, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah. but
2: it was hallucinogens, ecstasy, molly, ketamine, coke. By the time I was 15, I had started, like, viciously smoking crack. And it was... was It's a good adjective. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Viciously.
2: Well, it's been my experience
1: that the crowd you hang around with crack is a lot darker than. It's vicious. You know, that it's yeah. Vicious. Yeah. that it really actually vicious. fits who you yeah. end up being around when you start smoking a lot of crack. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Way different than just the pot smokers and the drinkers. As yeah. a fellow
0: crack smoker, when you said "vicious," I was like, "Yep." Yeah. Like, that is yeah. it. Yeah. Freaking vicious, dude. A lot. Yeah, that it's quick.
3: Out. It's fast it's crazy (laughs) it's
0: vicious so that that, i literally meant good adjective like on purpose like that was very (laughs) accurate
2: yeah i mean i was 15 years old and hanging out with people that were 30 40 50 years old right way older like i look at that now being 26 and I would not hang out with...
0: They're like still old for you now. Right
2: yeah. now, they're, now they're considered
1: pedophiles. It's like, what was I doing? What were they yeah, doing? Well,
2: like even being 26, I wouldn't hang out with a 15 year old. Right. And so I'm like, you guys are like 30, 40. Like I was, I told them about my age. I was like, yep, I'm 15. Like Proud of should it. Be, yeah. yeah, should be in school, but I'm here with you guys. For the white. And they're board. like, it's all good. Want some more? Yeah. And they're like, that's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah just then shortly after that started smoking meth and heroin um and just completely spiraled were you still going to school this whole time no i um was briefly when i was 15 and then i realized i just didn't have to show up and no one really did anything yeah and so i just stopped showing up um I was going to a technical school for forensic sciences when I was a junior, so I was, like, hanging on, kind of, just barely. Yeah. And I was going to school for that because I liked it and it interested me while I was using, and then after that, wouldn't go to my regular school. But then dropped out my junior year, and then my senior year, it was like, no, I'm going to try to go back, and then dropped out again. Gotcha, gotcha. So I was like, gotcha. yeah, no, I can't do this. Other stuff to do. Yep. So. Your parents know? They know what was happening, or? My dad wasn't around, um, and my mom, she knew what was happening, but anytime she would try to confront me about it, I would just absolutely flip out and just leave. I mean, I would get arrested, get brought home by the cops, and she'd be like, you're grounded. And I was like, no, I'm not. And I would just walk out. So she was like, okay, as long as she's telling us where she is, and if she's okay, then it's fine. And I don't think she knew the extent of how bad everything was until I was 19, and... Um, got caught doing some really stupid stupid stuff and I I told him I was like, all right, well, I'm Doing meth and heroin like this yeah. isn't me just like out partying with my friends like this has moved way past that and it has been way past that for years So I, I got sent to Florida to live with family for a little bit and that changed absolutely nothing uh, <laughs> I was waiting for the,
0: the end of that like <laughs> you're going to Florida,
2: you know? Yeah, that was... Not
0: funny. for treatment, but you're with Uncle Buck. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, dude, that was... I'm 19, you know? Yeah. Gotcha, okay. So you're in what part of Florida?
2: Um, I was in Cocoa Beach for a little bit with some mm-hmm. family, and then messed that up, and so then they sent me to Northern Florida. Gotcha. To Jacksonville, and then ended up back in Colorado for a short period before ending up in South Florida. And treatment. For rehab. There we go. Yeah, should have seen yeah. it's
0: South Florida just off the jump.
2: Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, so you go to South Florida. You go to treatment first time.
2: Mm-hmm. How did
0: you feel about it?
2: <laughs> I
0: – How was that?
2: I kind of thought it was like a I. I had no intention of staying sober. Right. Yeah,
1: because you got sent there. It wasn't like you originated wanting or needing help. It was like, you, you got to go. You're out of options.
2: Yeah, yeah. And the friend that I used most of the drugs with was in treatment. So I was like, well, might as well. we like,
0: both take a time out real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And I did manage to stay sober for a little bit. There we go. But I got by, way worse. By staying there or did you go back home? No, I stayed there. I was in a halfway house out there. I got a job. I was going to IOP. um, Doing the thing. Doing the thing, yeah. And then a hurricane came and we were evacuated. Yep, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) And relapsed right away. And at first I was like, I'm just going to take some acid so it won't show up in a drug test and I'll be fine. But then I was tripping acid and I was like, should probably take some Xanax too. Yeah. And then I was like, well, now I definitely can't pass a drug test, so I'm just going to go back home. But before that was in a hotel, smoking crack.
0: Yeah. Viciously. (laughs)
3: It was
2: vicious. (laughs) And then um, last thing I remember, I was in a hotel in Florida and then I woke up in Colorado. Oh, wow. Yeah went outside i was at my mom's house i woke up and i was like this is not good and how the heck did i get here <laughs> yeah because yeah i was smoking crack and doing xanax so i was like i know i was up but i don't remember anything so yeah. that's not a good combo yeah that's scary yeah and walked outside And my mom was like do you want to talk about what happened last night i was like "Nope, not really <laughs>
0: Did she end up telling you what happened? No. No. No,
2: no one has. No. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs>
0: That's one's going to the grave, I guess, yeah. that, that, <laughs> that night. One,
2: uh, no one knows. Um, Ended up back in treatment shortly after that. And that time I was placed on a plethora of psych medications.
0: Gotcha. Okay, okay.
2: For what? Just depression, anxiety. Um, they pretty much told me I had everything and yeah, I was put on Lexapro, Seroquel, wow. just, yeah. Those are heavy too. Yeah.
0: yeah. And when you went back to treatment, did you go back to South Florida? Or did you... I did. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Same yeah. place or? Yeah, I went got there it. four okay. times. Yeah, got it. Whole yeah. experience. Yeah. The full experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Okay. Yeah, I
2: just kept going back, going back, going back.
0: So I guess I'll ask. I'll ask you this question. Did you go back to the treatment center in South Florida because it was all that you knew? Or was there like... Like you kind of found like a a glimmer of happiness being sober there. Like, was there was was there any reason to go back to that place again?
2: Um, it was it was because I kind of knew it for sure. Okay, and and I did. I mean, at that point, I did want to be sober because in that short period of relapse, I mean, a lot of really bad stuff happened. Gotcha. And I knew that I could be sober, and that's where I had done it before. So I just figured that was kind of what I did. And yeah. so many people that I was in treatment with down there told me they would go to treatment 20 or 30 times so i was like okay well you know i'm only on two yeah so, <laughs> yeah so it was familiar
3: time to
1: go back and you were you know being told you know relapse is part of recovery so it's yeah. fine it's okay
2: yeah yeah just exactly keep coming back yeah i took that the wrong way
0: right. Right. i will yeah
2: i sure will you will be seeing me again
0: oh man oh yeah i was just curious um yeah, just curious why you're like, let's go back there.
2: Yeah, I just I had never been
0: for
3: sure.
2: Familiar with anything. You know, a lot of people I talked to went to a lot of different treatment centers, which I eventually ended up doing, but um I just knew it and I was talking to the people out there, like their alumni team and you know, obviously they knew I was not doing well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they um Yeah, they were talking to my family. I was like, you got to get her back out here. And so it was just kind of the easiest thing. to do. Also, instead of trying to research, like, maybe let me find a place that it's more suitable for, like, my needs. For
0: sure, yeah. You were still trying to figure out what that looked like, what that was. Yeah. Okay. So you go back there. Did – how was that? Did you do the same treatment stint, the same place with the same stuff, same people? Was it a little bit different?
1: Yeah, it this was, time they put her on a bunch of meds.
2: Yeah, that was that was the only thing that was different. I did the exact same thing, same groups. Yeah, um, it was it was the exact same except they put me on a bunch of meds because the hmm. first time I was like, no, like I I really don't need those. Yeah, and then the next time I started to kind of believe what they were telling me that I was depressed, I was anxious, I was going to be like this the rest of my life. Right. I mean, the first time in treatment, I was like you know, it was new and it was somewhat exciting where I was like, okay, like I am going to get better. This is great. And then the second time I was like, okay, well maybe, maybe I am like, you know, everyone else that, you know, was on all of these medications. And so I thought I needed them, you know, to be on gabapentin. I needed Seroquel to sleep. I needed Lexapro in the morning. I needed Clonidine throughout the day. And instead of addressing my anxiety, just suppressing it.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: And then loading you up and sending you
1: on your way and calling you sober.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which...
0: Is that what happened? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Um,
2: They would just send me with like sleeves of medications and anytime I would go home after I'd stay in like a sober living for a little bit. But then if I would, you know, move on by myself, they would just give me a sleeve of medication and be like, okay, well, you got to find a doctor because you have to stay on these. You can't. Just yeah, stop. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what? Like, yeah, yeah. And it reinforced the idea to me that I had to take something to be okay. Mm-hmm. That I was going to have to rely on a substance, whether illicit or pharmaceutical, for the rest of my life. And if I ran out of that, then I was in trouble. So when I ran out of my medications, I would just go get high. You know, if I didn't already start before, but it just, it was like ingrained in me that you have to take something to be okay. Yeah. Like, cause you're, you know, you're fucked up.
0: Yeah. And did you notice that that was kind of your same behavior pattern, like coming into treatment? Yeah. Like we took everything to deal with everything. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like this weird behavior to continue to like enable like, yeah, hey, You need to take something to be something or feel something or feel better or to fix anything. Yeah. When it's like, we already believe that. Like, I've yeah. been doing that for years. Exactly. So thank you for different solutions.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. Thank so you for so, solidifying yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was just curious
0: if you felt that way, like in the moment, you know, like, I already yeah. do this.
2: Yeah. Because wow. it was, you know, I used every substance under the sun. And so, you know, if I was a little bit tired, I would shoot some meth if I was a little anxious I'd take some Xanax if I you know just was you know just constantly like shooting heroin and then it was they gave me all these other medications like oh you're still a little bit anxious okay well here's this yeah oh you're still going through this okay here's this and so it was like I didn't think that there was a real way to address anything I thought it was either gonna be it was just covering it up and just kind of not even putting a band-aid on it Like, it was kind of just adding salt to the wound.
0: Yeah. Thinking it's going to go away.
2: Yeah. Or
1: thinking, this is it. This is just, this is my future. This is how it's going to be for the rest of my life.
2: Yeah. I didn't see how it was sustainable. Like, that scared the hell out of me. Yeah. Was, like, how am I going to, how am I going to progress? Like, what am I going to do when I don't have insurance? What am I going to do if... You know, I want to come off of these. Is there a way to come off of these? And when I got to Elevate, I was on 12 different medications. Wow. And 24 years old. Like, how much further could that have progressed? Yeah. Like, it was, that was insane. I thought that they had tried everything. I'd even already taken some out, too, by the time I had gotten there so it was like and you were put on all those by the previous rehabs right all by treatment centers well i never saw like a psychiatrist or psychologist nothing none of that like outside of a treatment center it was all by treatment centers suboxone um well except adderall i did go see a doctor for that but because a doctor (laughs) a treatment center told me i had adhd and that i should probably be put on adderall yeah knowing like
0: yeah. That's insane. I was in me. I've been in a few treatment centers where people are like still getting their Adderall and people still get their Xanax and Yeah. Like I see the logic, but I also see like the problem with it too. You know, it's like, dude. Yeah. This guy just has his Xanax and Adderall in his nightstand, and I'm over here in the next bed being like, <laughs> yeah. let's, "Let's get to seven days sober." Like, what yeah, are you talking about? Let's just you hang know? On here. Yeah, he gets to be tweaked out in group, and I don't.
2: You know? <laughs> yeah, like this isn't fair.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <sighs> Anyways, okay. So what? And and
1: again, you know, calling you sober, even though you're on twelve different medications, because you're not smoking crack, you're sober, even though you can't even like open your eyes because you're so medicated.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, I couldn't. I wasn't. I mean, I wasn't feeling sad, but I wasn't feeling happy necessarily either. I was just kind of like just moving through the day, Mm -hmm. just like kind Mm -hmm. of on autopilot. Like my mentally wasn't there. I was physically there, but mentally not.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people can relate to that feeling of like being in treatment, like coming off drugs, but then getting put on other ones, not knowing how to feel from the jump and then feeling nothing. Yeah. And just kind of being like, what is this? You know, Yeah, I think it creates this like hopelessness in sobriety where it's like, this doesn't feel good. And what's the point if I'm just going to feel dull and feel like a big, if I feel like this table does right now, I feel like nothing. What's the point of it?
2: Well, and it's when you're not experiencing any of those emotions, like the bad or the good, there's no growth there. Yeah. There's nothing that you have to kind of drive yourself forward and there's nothing that you have to then implement new coping mechanisms and treatment. Like,
3: yeah, it's
2: more like just white knuckle it. Yeah. Like, it's just <laughs> like, oh, like you're feeling a certain way. Well, let's see what else we can add instead of like, how could we address this? Like, hey, how about you go to the gym like, and get some of that? anger out get some of that yeah. pent up energy out like why don't you go do that instead of just giving someone another pill because that's it doesn't work long term and then you build a tolerance to that and then it's just okay let's increase the dose okay well now we've reached the highest dose so let's add another medication it's it's insane right yeah.
1: and not to mention all the other medications to handle the side effects of the original <laughs> medications
2: yeah
0: yeah yeah there's a time and a place for- like, we all know that for sure. There's a time and a place for all those medications. But the flaw is thinking that it's, like, the solution, mm-hmm. you know? It should be, be like, a teeny part of the solution. Like, if you talk to people that work in mental health, like, part of their their treatment is including psych medications.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's
0: just a tiny little part of it. Yeah. Not the whole thing. Not, like, the the cure-all. It's not the program. Yeah. And it kind of felt like that might have been the case where you were at. And I have yeah. that same experience
3: mm-hmm.
2: of like,
0: my program was to go to AA meetings and take those five meds. Yeah. And that's, I did that for 30 days.
2: Yeah. Meds and 45 meetings. days. So. Yeah. It, that's how I
0: feel about that.
2: Yeah, it sucks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it really does. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, through all these treatments, uh, how many treatment centers total were you in? Um, Elevate was my ninth. Okay. So in all of them, I think we skipped were, a few. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've only talked it about two. It, it was just the same story over and over. Because they were all AANA based. It was all, yeah. you load you up with medications. Talk about uh, you're, you're, you have this disease and you're powerless, basically. And that yeah. was the record playing over and over for you.
2: Yeah. And it was like, that just kind of co-signed all of my behaviors. You know, anytime I would act a certain way or you know, would lash out at people. I was like, oh, it's because I'm sick. They're like, no, like, it's mm-hmm. it's not. No, you're just rude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're just <laughs> kind of acting like a whatever right now. Um, But, yeah, it was, like, telling me that I was sick and already being sick. That wasn't what I wanted to yeah. hear. You know, it's like where it's like, okay, great. Now I've got another one. Like,
0: like another issue or yeah. another problem.
2: Yeah, and it just justified everything, where I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to be like this forever, first of all, do I want to, like, even really try to live long? Like, or why don't I just, you know, live the way that I thought I wanted to at the time? Yeah, fast
0: and quick and fun and whatever. Not care.
2: Yeah. It's kind of like
0: why care at that point. Mm -hmm. I could see that. That was like the crossroads. Yeah. And then failing in treatment over and over again it's like dude what are we doing here yeah is that kind of how you felt
2: yeah i mean and that's how my family felt too Yeah, is when i told them i was going back to treatment when i came to elevate they were just like oh pfft, whatever like yeah this, this is <laughs> calls when you get out yeah yeah like, yeah because this is number 10 by this point right yeah you know i've been to multiple detoxes like over 15 detoxes and so they just were like that's we're not paying for it if you do it that's whatever yeah but we're not gonna support you in any way towards this because it's just gonna be the same thing and I remember my brother talking to my mom I was sitting in the back of the car like somewhat conscious and he was like she's worse than when she went in like she seems more intoxicated than when we dropped her off like what is this wow and I was just I was on so many different things and yeah I also wasn't doing well either. Like they could tell I was just kind of
0: checked out a little bit. Yeah, super. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Checked out's like downplaying it.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Just like zombies.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just no expression
1: whatsoever. Wow. Uh, that's got to be weird to see as a family member. Um, especially mm-hmm. like a, a sibling because I think they can be a little tougher on you without so much
2: invested. Yeah. yeah, <laughs>
3: They
0: care less about the f- the emotions and yeah. the feelings. Yeah,
3: they're
2: a little tougher. Yeah. <laughs> like, sis, Definitely.
0: you look like a, a damn zombie.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, this, this is not a good look for you.
0: So yeah. what led up, I mean, I, I guess I kind of mean the situation, but like how did you find Elevate? What made you say like, oh, man, let's – Maybe try something different or was it just sheer luck? Like how did that take place of ending up at Elevate in California? Well. (laughs) Leave you as much or as little as you want.
2: (laughs) Um, I was actually on my way back to South Florida. um, Because they had agreed to buy my ticket out there because my family was like, we're not paying for this. Like we're not doing this. So like, okay, we'll buy your ticket out here. And um I went to the airport and I was highly, highly intoxicated and I fell down the escalator.
0: Oh, I've never heard this. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay.
2: I still Going try- up or down? Going up. <laughs> I don't know why that makes it funnier. It's slightly funnier.
1: <laughs> but it is. It's just yeah. a touch funnier
0: <laughs> going up, you know? It is. It's just slipping. It's not like, falling. It. You know? exactly it's like, like it a...
2: an effort to fall. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just. Yeah. And I, I still did try to go check in for my flight.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I was already also starting to detox at the time, but my knee, like a lot of it, was like the skin on the top of my knee was like hanging off.
0: Oh my god. But
2: I was wearing black pants, so you couldn't see all the blood. Yeah. And I <laughs> asked them for a band aid. Uh-huh. And they're like, "Well, what do you what do you need a band aid for?" And I pulled my leg up, and they were like, "Oh my, you need a hospital." Really?
0: You yeah. could, like see your kneecap almost, or
2: yeah, like oh. it was like completely split open. It was a
0: gash.
1: It
2: was a gash. Oh, yeah. Wow.
1: It was. And you were completely unaffected, just wanting a little band aid. No big yeah. deal. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> those those people probably still tell this story too. Like, remember that <laughs> chick asked for a band aid, and I could see her kneecap. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Well, and they could see that I was like starting to shake too. And they yeah. were Like we can't, we can't let you on a plane like this. So I was like, no, I, I have to get on this plane. I'm going. Like I was like, I'll be honest, I'm going to rehab. Yeah. And they're like, not shocking, but true. <laughs> yeah. Still not letting me on. Yeah. And they're like, you. One of them was actually a previous nurse, and she was mm. like, I can see you're already shaking, and you smell like alcohol. Right. You're not gonna make it. And Long like, no. flight to Florida. Yeah, well, I had a three-over layover in Newark, too. Oh, gotcha. Oh, yeah. So she was like, the, you're not going to make I was like, no, I'll make it. I'll make it. And she was like, I'm going to be honest. I can't let you on the plane. You're a biohazard.
0: Yeah, wow.
2: And I was like, okay. And so they took me to the hospital. And in the hospital, this was right around Christmas. I was in the hospital on Christmas. And... When I got there, they were giving me a CAT scan, so I turned all of my needles into them and everything, and so they wouldn't let anyone come visit me without getting searched, and my family was, like... That's now awesome. Like, yeah. yeah.
0: Kudos so, to that hospital.
2: Yeah, um... They also, at the same time, though, told me, like, you're the type of person that needs to be on Suboxone for mm. the rest of your life. And they even upped my dosage because I was on Suboxone maintenance. Don't like that as much about yeah. the hospital. <laughs> not as cool. not as cool. I take that back. <laughs> yeah, not as cool. <laughs> um, but I just realized my intentions for going to Florida were not the greatest. I knew people out there. I still yeah. had friends out there. I still had all my dealers' numbers out there. I was going to go there, coast through the 30 days and then just go get back start, to it, yeah, 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 exactly, um because I was homeless at the time in Colorado, and it was cold, yeah, I was like at least I'll go to Florida and it'll be warm, right yeah, and um, I just realized though that things were like really bad, I yeah. was sitting in the hospital on Christmas it was I was alone, no one would come visit me. I realized the friends that I had, you know, weren't the greatest,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and my family. Sound you. Yeah, they were completely done. I legally wasn't allowed at their house even. Yeah. So I looked up treatment centers in Tahoe because I had always wanted to live in Tahoe and I found Elevate. And then I talked to Mike and he explained like the 90 day program to my family. And they were like, all right, we'll give this one more try. But you're not doing 30 days because 90 days scared the hell out of me. Yeah. I had never done that much that long of a program yeah and my family was like if you want to do this this place does sound different um you know you'll be taken off all your medications which my family absolutely loved i loved the idea of too because i was terrified to come off them and knew i had to eventually and so then i was i was at elevate got out of the hospital and there a couple days later wow Wow.
0: It's crazy, because I don't yeah. remember, like, you coming in with this, like, knee injury. Did you come in with a knee injury?
2: I, I did. Yeah. <laughs> it, it it was a lot better.
0: Yeah.
2: Because um, I'd been in the hospital for, like, five days. And so they were giving Got me it. antibiotics and everything. So I had infections all throughout my body. Oh,
0: wow, dude. I was
2: in rough, rough shape. So. Yeah.
0: Well, but thank God you tripped.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, <and> thank <laughs> God your family me said, too. okay,
1: one more time. Yeah. That's it.
2: This is it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and I'm they happy. They were feeling the Christmas spirit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, that was, I got super lucky because it's also just finding Elevate and a longer program, and I think that significantly helped me. That was also progress-based, so I didn't. Feel the stress of, like, I have to be done in this amount of time yeah. or constantly just looking at that date on a calendar. Like, I'll sure. be out this day. I'll be out this day where it was just, like, pra- practicing yeah. being present. Just, like, well, I'm here today. Yeah. Like, what am I going to get done now?
0: Wow. Okay.
2: Yeah. And what was that like? So, obviously, our detox,
1: in now you work there, is different yeah. because... We don't let you guys leave detox until you're off all the medication. And one yeah. would think, okay, this is like weeks of weaning down, but really, everybody's like, okay, I'm bored, I'm I'm ready to be done now, and they'll wean themselves yeah. almost early. So, what was yeah. that process like? Because it was uh, the opposite of other places where you're getting loaded up. This was we we're fine. You're finally getting taken off everything.
2: Yeah, it was. It was a process. I mean, I was I was feeling it, but the thing that's different about this detox too is like the the staff we stay engaged with the clients. We really check in with them. It's not just, "Oh, you're here, show up at the med window at mm-hmm. 913 and 8." Right. Like it it's you're with people constantly throughout the day. You're not just sitting outside smoking cigarettes and so you have that support, which helps a lot too. And it um it was different because I had mostly detoxed in the hospital, but I was on sub-maintenance, which they had upped in the hospital, so I saw it to come off that, and I used immediately when I got out yeah. um, for, like, that day. So I was still not feeling the greatest, but it once I was off all of those medications, it was a breath of fresh air. So I was like, okay, like, I'm good. Yeah. Like, i don't have I don't ever have to be like that again and it was scary you know I'll I'll be honest it it was scary but I saw so many other people doing it too yeah which was the opposite of what I had seen other places I had seen people just taking pill after pill after pill after pill and coming back and coming back and coming back and Mm -hmm. didn't see that there you know where everyone was coming off of things and coming off of everything where I knew I had to find a Baseline. I had no no clue what that was. I'd been using since I was, you know, like something since I was 12.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So you didn't even know who you were. It's like, you know, rehab
1: is bring to a former state, but it's like, we don't even know what that state was. We were kids. Like, who am I
2: without all that stuff? Yeah. And it's so much happens throughout addiction that shapes you, you know, whether it's good or bad, but it, it changes you as a person. And... I had, I had no idea who that person was anymore. And then when I was sober, it would get numbed out. Mm -hmm. And so it was like hard to
0: make progress.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I think the perfect example is like that you painted was like, uh, your intentions on going to treatment in Florida for that last time.
2: Mm -hmm. It's
0: like, oh yeah, well I'm homeless in Colorado. It's warm in Florida. Mm -hmm. I know where to get drugs 30 days. Everyone will believe I'm doing good. And then I'll go back to doing bad and I'll be able to pull it off again for another six months. Yeah. Like, that was a great idea to you. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I was I've had like, those same thoughts. I thought that was thoughts. some of my best thinking. <laughs> that was like, you
0: sat down with a whiteboard and you're like, this is it. This is yeah. the plan. So, this it shapes us. We're like, we, that's how we think, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of a great example of what you were just saying.
2: Yeah. Like,
0: dude, we, we were lost souls. You know, that's the that's like the degree to which we got to. Yeah. Yeah where that was brilliant.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I was like, this is the best idea I've ever had. Like, I know how to take care of myself. (laughs) I went to college for two months. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of.
1: (laughs) Especially when you're homeless in Colorado in the winter. It's like, ah, they're going to buy my plane ticket to Florida? Okay.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I was like, you know, I'll go to a detox. I'll eat some food and chill for a little bit. I'll, you know, lower my tolerance too. I thought that was another positive. Like, I kind of, after going so many times, I thought that's pretty much what it was for. was to get my veins back and lower my tolerance. Yeah, yeah that was dude. the game. Yeah. yeah. For survival. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, you know, like, best case scenario, I can at least shoot dope again. Yeah. Which is really, really <laughs> messed up thinking. Like, now having clarity, like, that's... Well,
1: it's really messed up for... For everyone, but especially you with your condition. Like, I yeah. can't
2: imagine yeah. <laughs> that this helped whatsoever. No. No, it it made it way worse. Yeah. For sure. And, you know, my right arm is the most scarred and most affected. And as is my right hand. So I couldn't use that. So I was only shooting in my right arm. Oh, wow. And it was, it got to the point, you know, where even... The people that I was using with were like, your arm's going to die. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Like, yeah. you have to stop. And I didn't care, though. I mean, my thinking was just like, whatever.
1: Better to burn out than fade away. Yeah. I
2: remember that was my philosophy. <laughs> yeah. Of course, Def Leppard came out back then. But it was like, yeah, like, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go hard. <laughs> yeah, my, my motto was go harder, go home. And yeah. then I didn't have a home, so.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I and only had, only had only one other option. <laughs>
2: just get hard all the time and not
1: gaggin style.
0: <laughs> hey, at least we can all laugh about it now, you know. Yeah. That's like the that's that's the silver lining. It's like yeah. It was so stupid it's funny, you it know. Really Almost. Was. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, like if I saw myself saying that, I would be like, no, oh, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> Has anyone ever told you that in detox like now you're a staff member and you're working in detox or like yeah, I'm just here to go hard or go home. Like has anyone ever hit you with that? <laughs> <I
3: haven't. laughs> yeah, just like, I don't know.
0: You know, someone doesn't want to get sober and they're like, dude, I go hard or I go home. Like, has anyone ever thrown the stuff that you used right back at you? And now, with years sober, you're like, God, that's so dumb. I can't believe I was doing that too.
2: Pretty similar things for like I hear it and I'm like, What the f And then I'm like, I think I've said that exact same thing. And I'm like, <laughs> mm just hang in there
1: (laughs) 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 oh man so going through you come down from detox what was the turning point for you or what was the thing that really just gave you that like this
2: makes sense to me moment or where things just started to click for you um it was it was a little bit into my program At first, I was still kind of gaining that mental stability and, like, the chemical balance was still way off, I think. Um, But it was when I just started to naturally feel better and, like, found, like, okay, like, this isn't from, like, medications or anything. Like, this this is me where I started to truly laugh again and just have happiness and be able to hold a conversation with someone without being intoxicated. And it was just, it was realizing that I could put in the work and actually get benefits out of it. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't going to be immediate, but that almost excited me where it was like something to work towards. Like, okay, if I feel this good now, how am I going to feel in another 30 days? And then how am I going to feel in another 30 days? And Feeling that progress and knowing that there was more work to be done, but that meant that there was going to be more progress ahead. More more gains to be had. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's the hope, right? Like, the progress gave you a little bit of hope, and you're like, let's keep going. Yeah. And you didn't experience that in the other treatment centers?
2: No, it was... I mean, there was one treatment. I was in a psychosis the whole time. Wow. And, like, voicing that to them, like, there was some crazy things going on that I thought were going on we uh-huh. were not absolutely <laughs> going on. But I wasn't getting anything out of it. It was sitting there and talking about the same things over and over and just talking about how, yeah, I was an addict and talking about just a lot of times really nothing of substance. For sure. Nothing ever got raw. Nothing really ever got honest. Yeah. It was really surface level but that makes sense yeah and i didn't allow myself to experience the negative feelings it was almost when people would start to get depressed and anxious someone would want to fix that right away instead of letting that person work through the process on their own and finding ways to fix it on their own
3: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: it
2: was someone would try to fix it for you or hand you another pill yeah yeah somewhere along
1: the line in society it became bad to have emotions or feelings And to be
2: able to go through it. It's like, they're natural. It's okay. That's a part of life. And that's a part of truly living life is experiencing all of it. Like, it's not just having the good. It's not just having the great adventures. It's getting yourself through a tough time. It's picking yourself up when you feel like you can't do it anymore. Like, that is truly living life to its fullest extent.
0: And it's so cool to hear that you had that experience a month, two, three weeks, a month into treatment. Yeah. Like, dude, that's amazing. Yeah. Can't put a price on that. That shift.
3: Yeah. Was it like
0: a big shift for you? Like, uh, you know, people say like, when did the lights turn on? You know, like it's kind of like the quote or the cliche thing they'll say. Did it feel like that for you? Like once you started to experience the progress and like the momentum, was it kind of just like, oh shit, I'm on fire? Or was it? Still, kind of like well, I don't really know.
2: I I was hesitant to kind of believe it.
0: Right, that makes sense.
2: I always one of my things for a long time was self sabotaging. Yeah, you know, things would start to go good, and I was like, oh, before someone else takes this from me, I'm gonna I'm gonna destroy it. Yeah, like, I'm gonna burn it down better than they ever could have.
0: Yeah. yeah, talking yeah. about you. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I was kind of, kind of scared to allow myself to truly feel all of the good stuff. But once I did start to allow that in and realize that, okay, well, if something does come up, it comes up and it's just another obstacle to overcome, I'll be okay. Like, that's just more growth that Mm -hmm. I can have. And just learning that I, I was going to be okay. Like it, it was, it wasn't like necessarily a light that came on, but it was just like this that like shades were lifted yeah. yeah the wall came down the wall came you down you allowed yourself
1: to be vulnerable and then there was growth yeah
2: yeah and i allowed myself to like myself too which i didn't do for so long i thought yeah. you know i was told like oh you're an addict and you've done all this really bad stuff and you're gonna be like this forever made me feel like i was gonna be a bad person for forever which is not the case yeah. at all you know yeah like People do some bad things in addiction, but that doesn't mean that that's who you are and it doesn't mean that you can't shift that Right. at any given time. You know, make amends for your past, absolutely. Take responsibility for that because that's where your freedom also lies is no one made you do anything, you know, but in having that freedom of, okay, I messed up and I did this and I did that, it helps shape your future the way you want it to because you are now in control of that like that and you always were but that's where your power is
0: oh yeah that's like where, that. yeah because that's like where that. you
2: know the whole our whole philosophy of empowering
1: the individual as opposed to letting them be the victim and i can imagine yeah. uh that People have allowed you to be the victim due to your physical circumstance, absolutely. your failures, that it was very easy to, you know, let's, it's okay. It's your lot in life. It's your, it's understandable. Um, yeah. And for you to finally say, actually, it's not okay. You know, yeah. and it's not like we held you to that standard, although we do, but we just sort of guide you. It's more yeah. like you got the tools and you held yourself to that same accountability responsibility.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Because it's, you know, you can always look the one way where someone has these physical conditions and they allow themselves to kind of go down a dark path with it. But there's also the other way where someone has physical conditions and they do great things with it. Yeah. You know, it's, I just allowed myself to focus in on the whatever co signed what I was doing and whatever made me feel better in the moment. Yeah. But feeling better in the moment didn't lead to long-term healing whatsoever. It was instant gratification, which is what addiction comes down to, is that instant gratification of, I want to feel good right now. Even if it means I'm going to feel bad for 10 years, I want to feel good right now, and that's all that matters. Right, and then I'll worry about 10 minutes from now, 10 minutes from now. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll deal with the repercussions later.
0: Yeah. Man, well, that was kind of my follow-up question too, was like, how did... Like, you were, you mentioned finding, like, a baseline mentally, you know, and mm-hmm. you kind of found it at treatment. Did you find, like, a baseline physically? Like, was – like, I think Angie asked you earlier, like, there was no way the addiction helped with your physical condition, you know? And you're like, no, yeah. it didn't. Yeah. But how did getting sober help with your physical condition? I don't know. Like, if any, how did that happen?
2: Yeah. Or it, did it happen? It did help a lot. I – I think it was probably also a combination of the medications that I was on, but I was tired. Yeah. All the time. I felt like I had no energy to do anything and that <coughs> was just gonna be my life as I was just gonna be really tired and I'm I'm not a tired person. I've learned that. Yeah. Um I've I think also the way that I've implemented like exercise and nutrition and proper hydration into my life has helped because that relieves a lot of stress. It's not just built up. It's also getting my muscles moving. Yeah. That helps. How Um, quick did you
1: get in the CrossFit gym after you
2: came down? A couple days. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. (laughs) I was was scared at first and then I um, was talking to Tommy. Mm -hmm. He was one of my group facilitators and or one of the PMCs. And I was like, I can't sleep, man. Like I, s- I'm still restless at night. I'm still just rolling around. He was like, yeah. well, What are you doing? I was like, Yoga. He's like, Well, maybe try CrossFit. And I tried it once, and then felt like all those endorphins, and felt so just like powerful. I was like, I'm gonna do this every day <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing because you didn't have
1: like fitness in your past you weren't like you know an athlete in school you didn't have any of that because you started using so young so it yeah was newfound power
2: yeah yeah absolutely I like found all the feelings that I searched for in drugs and working out which was like the confidence the power the yeah feeling like strength um the progress. Stress relief, the yeah, progress. Yeah, and yeah, not selling myself short. Because for so long, I would tell myself, I can't do this. I can't do this. Yeah, like kind of well, the limiting thoughts. Yeah. For sure. Which, which was me just honestly being lazy yeah. and just limiting yeah. myself. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was easy to do that, and people believed it. Yeah. You know, until they, I came there. And then I remember meeting with you, Dallas, and I was like, well, can I even do it? And you were like, yeah, absolutely. We'll just modify everything. And then... We did. And we and, did. Yeah, I've yeah. <laughs> been there ever since. <laughs> One of my
1: first memories of you was we were having a fitness comp, and uh, I don't I don't hang out with the clients very often. You know, I see them in the gym or around campus, and um, but I was running the comp, and you had paired up with Matt. Matt. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and you both had your your physical limitations, so you were like, yeah, let's just do this together. We'll modify. Yeah, I think he had a broken wrist or hand or something yeah. like that. And I loved so much watching you guys working out, giving the top competitors, which, you know, I think we had like Tom and someone else, like, you know, the the elites teaming up against everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Isn't always fair, but it's a great time because it, it keeps it competitive. But you guys were right in there, no limitations, didn't hold back, worked twice as hard. Like it was, it was so amazing. And I love seeing it because you put your full heart in there and you, with, even with your limitations, you will modify anything. You'll go super heavy. And, you know, we have grown men in there who are like, oh, <laughs> I have this like shoulder injury for 10 years. Tight shoulder. Go, Tight shoulder. I can't do that. And you're like, really? <laughs> you just show everybody what's up. And I absolutely positively love that and hold you as the standard of other people, like trying a little harder. It's like, come on.
2: Yeah, it's it feels good. And it feels good to hear that. Too, because it's that's where I get I think like a big adrenaline rush too yeah. is anytime I feel myself like starting to make an excuse or starting to try to talk myself out of something like oh I can't do it today you know I'm I'm feeling kind of tired and I'm yeah like, no like I'm I'm making excuses and that's not what I want to do anymore because anytime I make excuses it's just kind of robbing myself of experiences and then Truth. I've never left the gym and been like i wish i didn't do that yep
0: so true ever, yeah. ever. Like,
2: but i have been laying in bed and been like i should have done, done that, that. <laughs> yeah. absolutely yeah. Well, and i think it takes <laughs> us doing it enough
1: time to remember that feeling yeah. over the other feeling it's like now it took me gosh it could took me maybe a good year or two of doing crossfit before i finally realized this laying here is not gonna make you feel better than if you actually just go. But it took me a while. Yeah. I'm stubborn. 'Cause
2: <laughs> yeah. so I'm like, it's an hour. Like it'll be over before I know it and would I rather, you know, have that good feeling after and be able to I don't know, just feel better. Yeah. Like it's my music sounds better. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. My car drives better. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs>
1: It's true. <laughs> it just all feels better. yeah, it's all better. And the community, you know, we all yeah. bond. We're hanging out. We're high fiving. Like yeah, we all got through this together. It's fun. Yeah, it is. It's. I think it's the really huge fun.
0: takeaway from that too, though, is like, you're you start to see that if I suffer a little bit now, which is CrossFit, at the end I'll have better results. Which yeah. is the exact opposite of how we thought when we got here whatever can what can I do right now to make everything better even if it will suck later yeah so it's like the ultimate proof that like the thinking behind your thinking like the the framework of it has switched yeah and that's like to me just as equally as big of a win is like now you look at the result that's coming and willing to sacrifice right now for better results in the future yeah that's how we live longer you know like
1: (laughs) those people live for a while yeah (laughs) and that's a mindset it takes a lot of people they they may never develop that so you know just by doing this you're way ahead of a lot of people on this planet who don't have that viewpoint or don't get to see that big
2: shift or difference yeah it's i think that's where like a big change happened for me in the program was really starting to take care of myself and pushing myself you know where it was like okay i'm super sore today or i've had a really bad day instead of just wanting to go and like never got excused from block never got excused from exercise
0: hell yeah we love those clients yes (laughs) Yes. i (laughs) I love those clients yeah yeah.
2: (laughs) and just like pushing myself and realizing that i tell clients this a lot but our true power exists in the present moment like what Mm -hmm. decision are you gonna make right now like are you gonna go all out anytime? There's a workout where it's like, like I'm gonna go as hard as I possibly can because I will eat myself alive <laughs> if I don't. If I don't, and possibly lose sleep and be like, yeah. I could have, I could have done more weight or like I could have ran a little bit faster and know that that just ultimately makes me feel better. Is doing good and pushing yeah. myself.
0: And like raising your own standard, you know, yeah. of like what's acceptable for Caitlin. Yeah. Which is badass, you yeah. know, like
2: this is good. my new
0: standard <laughs> is like I now I go hard or go home at the gym.
2: You yeah. Know? That's <laughs> and it. I have a home to go to. And I have oh, a so home. So I do have a choice now. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I choose to go hard and I choose to have a home. <laughs> <laughs> have any of you guys read the book? Um. Oh, do, the road less traveled. Huh. Do you read? You read it, right?
1: We did it in book
0: Oh, that's right. Okay, we all read it. Yeah. Well, I remember in that book, he defines love as extending yourself or extending extending your own personal will onto somebody or yourself for the sake of something's personal growth. So, like me, like doing something for someone else to get better is like the definition of love. And what I was hearing you say is like you were extending your will even though you didn't want to onto yourself for your own personal growth like for you to be a more fit person or more fit being mentally and physically and it was kind of like cool to hear that because that's you like loving yourself you know and you said that you struggle with that for a long time yeah so it's kind of crazy to think that like crossfit helps you love yourself more You know, not in like a CrossFit's awesome type of way, but just in a that's so awesome for you type of way.
2: Yeah, it it really does because it's it makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I'm actually living my life the way that I want to. Not, you know, where I was told from other people like, well, you can't do this or you shouldn't do this. But doing what I want to do and on my own terms and not telling myself like not feeling small because I feel like I can't do something yeah when it was really just me telling myself that and you know keep setting like setting the bar higher and higher and higher because it's we set it for ourselves oh yeah at the end of the day you Mm. know it's no one can lower that bar no one can move that bar other than us yeah Yeah. and being able to control that and be like no I can go harder like I can do more I can do more it's that's how people become unstoppable.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's you a... you hit a PR on deadlift not that long ago, right?
2: Yeah, I did on uh, well on the back squat or oh, back squat. Yeah, yeah. What'd you get? I think it was it was one twenty 120 or one twenty five. Yeah, that was yeah.
1: awesome. I gotta yeah. see that. That's why I had to bring it. Up. <laughs>
2: that was awesome. <laughs> when I first got here, I couldn't even lift the little pink kettlebell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is that thing like? Eight pounds?
0: I think it's eight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: wow that's amazing and now you're lifting our biggest kettlebell i was joking with you in the gym like we got to get you a bigger kettlebell because yeah. you you can lift all of ours we got to keep up in that for yeah. you that would be cool yeah <laughs> you're like could you get that done because i'm ready god
0: i love that well, we'll definitely get more kettlebells and one of the quotes that made me think of is like i don't know if you guys ever heard it but it says argue your limitations and they're yours and that was kind of what you were saying it's like It sounds like you're like, dude, I'm going to start doubling down on all the things that I can do rather than viewing my life as like what I can't do or what I can't Mm -hmm. like who I can't be. You know, like I'm sick, I'm addicted, I'm -hmm. physically limited. And you just like shifted all of that. Yeah. That's the coolest thing ever.
2: I feel like it's kind of letting... I think to some extent, anyone that's had substance abuse issues is somewhat rebellious. Yep. True. And so I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Yep.
0: No lag in that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yep. 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 <laughs> yep, yep. That's yep. true.
1: Still, <laughs> still 27 years later, I'm still that way.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's redirecting that in a positive light where it's like someone saying like, oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. It's like. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I'm gonna do it twice.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. that's my biggest thing. Like, uh, if I'm with Dal in the gym and he's and I'm like, I don't know, Dal, I'm kind of this, kind of that. He's like, okay, cut the rest or lower the weight. I'm like, what? I'm not gonna do that. And I'm, like, I'm just not doing that. <laughs> do that, and then I'm really gonna do it. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely my motivator as well. Just tell me yeah. I can't, and then I'm gonna figure out how I can. Well,
0: yeah, I mean that's a huge thing. Is like to believe in yourself. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you yeah. believe in yourself, I don't need to. Yeah. You know, and what I say doesn't matter because you know the truth. Yeah. And that's like, I don't know. I think for me that was a huge thing in, in recovery and in treatment. It's like, okay, like maybe what I think isn't so dumb. Like maybe how I feel about myself is true. You know, you start to get that confidence mm-hmm. and it just like unfolds everything. Yeah. If you know what's true, dude, right on. That's all that matters. Yeah. Having some agency over ourselves, dude, it's like probably the biggest gift we can get and it, it shows up in the weirdest ways we talk really to people does. how they get sober and they always have like that one moment yeah. and it's basically the moment where they decided that they were worth it or mm-hmm. that they meant something yeah but the situation's always different you know Yep. so it's cool hearing hearing you explain how it showed up for you i love that
2: yeah
1: at what point because we hear lots of varying things because we have a lot of Clients that want to come on to the trainee program and hopefully be on staff at what point in the program did you know you wanted to come on to
2: staff I knew it when I was in detox and heard about it I thought it was the coolest thing oh, because i had wanted to work in treatment for so long but you always had to have a year right. and I never made it that far and I knew that I wanted to give back and that I wanted to help and that It was just, it was something I felt like I would be good at. And so I heard about it in detox and I was like, I want to do this. Like, I want to do this. And it it started to scare me at the end of my program. Uh I spent 90
0: days telling these guys I want to work for them. (laughs) I think I might have to now.
2: Well, because it was something different. Mm -hmm. I was so used to going to like sober livings or a halfway house or whatever and pretty much just like chilling. And so I was like, it's work. It's work. Yeah. 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 And it scared me because I, throughout my program, it just kind of solidified more and more that my drug career was over. Mm -hmm. That it was done. Like, I was not going to be returning to it. I had cut all of those people out of my life, changed my phone number had nothing to go back to, had this plan to stay out here, do the training program, and I felt different. I wanted to keep going. Like I felt the progress, and I felt myself lose drugs as a coping mechanism, which was kind of an empty feeling yeah. at first because like a I used process. it. grieving process? Yeah. Yeah. I thought for so long, like, well, worst-case scenario, I'll go get high. Yeah. But then there was one day it was, I was – I. I can't remember what happened, but I just had a bad day and I had tried to tell myself like, okay, well, like this, let's just leave and go get high. But I was like, no, I I don't want to do that anymore. And I was like, oh my God, (laughs) what am I going to do? Who am I becoming? (laughs) (laughs) I'm different now. (laughs) and um it it scared me to start the training program but at the same time it was exciting and i've never been happier that i did something and pushed myself through something and stayed and just found my place It's i love going to work every day you know whether cabin's full and people are not feeling well it's and it's probably going to be a crazy day at work like that's okay
1: Oh, well, and you, you're you just as successful when we have, you know, a break and we bring a bunch of people down. You'll you will happily spend the whole day cleaning up there. So it's nice for yeah. the next big influx. <laughs> Yeah, That's what's the best part about you is like, no matter what it is, you're like, great. Smile on your face. Happy to do it. How can I help? You need me to do overnight tonight? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't planning that, but i <laughs> for two hours and come do that because the group needs me. And, and it's such a pleasure to have you on staff and to set such a good example straight out of the gate for people coming in and for the rest of the staff it's it's truly awesome we know we can always count on you when uh
2: whatever it is is needed yeah that that does it really feels good to hear that because it's a long time i idolized being kind of a a hot mess like i thought that was like cool i thought that was great and like now it feels good to be dependable it feels good to just be happy doing whatever and a lot of that that was another big shift for me in the program was being like you can be happy doing anything you know that's up to you your attitude when you approach something if you're you know up all night and cleaning the cabin why not be happy while you're doing it yeah how
0: can we make this exciting yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure you figured it out
2: yeah because that's that's life like life is happening second by second by second it's if you only rely on the big things happening to make you happy, you're going to spend a lot of time waiting for those moments. Yeah. When Missing while you're waiting, all. you're yeah. wasting time too. Yeah. It's like it's being in the present moment where it's there's something good everywhere.
1: I
0: love that.
2: Yeah, and it's actually really great timing with where you're going uh, next week. Yeah, so on a Wednesday, I'm going to visit my dad in Illinois, who I haven't seen for 12 years. Wow. And so it's nerve-wracking, <laughs> to say the least, <laughs> but yeah. it's also really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: how last. long are you guys? St- or how long are you staying out there?
2: I'll be out there for about six days, it's really like five, because the last day I'll be leaving early in the morning. Perfect. But I'm I'm super excited to go do that. No, I'm like solid doing that, and just that. Yeah, it's it's been pretty much like a lot of my addiction. I yeah. just haven't seen him, haven't talked to him. Yeah. Much and um. He's really proud of how well I'm doing right now, I like bet. being in school um, for counseling and working here and doing this and just, I don't know, doing all the things that I always wanted to do. Like I went skydiving a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, was- nice. oh, man, it was- is seeing it was- your
0: dad scarier than that?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, because the skydiving you've someone else holding the cord. This she's all on her own. Yeah. Yeah. yeah wow. For real. Um Yeah, I mean, now it's just I've been sober um almost two years. It'll be two years December.
0: Nice. Congrats. Um,
2: thanks. Yeah. It's, keep
0: doing what you're doing. It's working. Yeah.
2: yeah it's working, great. Right? Yeah. I'm loving it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Let's keep doing that.
2: Yeah. Um it's being in school, that that's really cool because I never thought I'd be able to go back to school again. I tried to yeah. go to community college for a little bit, but that was honestly just to get the loans. So yeah, I didn't even really go that much. And I just feel like I've hit so many milestones. I didn't even have an ID when I showed up here. Wow. Like no photo ID at all. And I feel like it's just I've gotten I really have not just like gotten my life back, but I get to live it. Yeah. And I want to, like I have the motivation to, and the drive to the energy, (laughs) the the energy to, that's a big one.
1: Yeah. Well, Well, and and we, we often talk about the, that's why our, why former addicts make such great staff members because we had so much hustle to keep that addiction going (laughs) that when you channel (laughs) that hustle towards good, they're amazing the work ethic what you do and yeah. you know your off time like it's, it's yeah, amazing and- what you can accomplish where other people might be like ah, eight to five take the night off do nothing on the weekends we're like go 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 yeah, many more and- hours in the day and it feels right
2: yeah it does like it's like this is natural <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this, this feels right. <laughs> this is what I, exactly what I should be doing.
0: Wow. Well, Caitlin, I'm super proud of you. That's yeah. awesome, you. dude. Like, what a Thank great you. success story. You know, I think the audience, the the clients in detox, you know, that you get to help out and the people in the gym, it's like, you know, we all relate to stories. And so, like, a story like this helps somebody else realize that they're worth it and that they could do something difficult and they could make a... a a difficult change, you know. So like not only is it like amazing that you change and you get to like have all the results that you worked so hard for, but now you're giving them away to other people too. You know, and it's like what what feels better than that? Maybe skydiving? That's Yeah, I did feel
2: pretty cool. That's better
0: that's better than viciously smoking crack, you know? Like way better. (laughs) That's way better than that. Just now Caitlin's just viciously living life.
3: Exactly.
1: (laughs) So good.
0: What a great way to tie up the podcast, full circle. Bring it right back. Now she's viciously smoking life. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah. pretty much.
0: So I guess we'll end with this. If you had to offer one piece of advice for someone wanting to get sober, someone curious about getting sober, someone in the mud, someone doesn't know what to do next, what would that be? doesn't have to be ground-shattering, but what would you say?
2: Stop making excuses for yourself. Yep.
0: That's it. That's it. Stop making excuses. Yeah. Caitlin said so. So
1: simple. Just done.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's it, dude.
2: Wraps it up. Love it.
0: All right, guys. That's our show for today. We hope you found some value from listening. And if you did, please share with someone you know or love. You can find us on social media. We are at elevate addiction services
1: and if you or a loved one are struggling with addiction please call our toll-free confidential 24-hour helpline at 833-33-SOBER or visit our website at elevaterehab.org